0: hello and welcome to jenny jesse and jones our podcast about education in america introducing our hosts
1: i'm
2: jenny from the southeast um hi i'm jesse i'm originally from new york but currently reside in north carolina
0: Hello, my name is Sean. I am from Northern Virginia though I often lie and just say I'm from DC like a lot of us Northern Virginians mm. do. So getting into this, this is our first episode. We are very inexperienced. You've missed probably about two and a half hours of troubleshooting <laughs> and re-recordings, but that's okay because we're all going on this journey together. Well. Uh, b- brief disclaimer before we get started. the purpose of this podcast is to highlight our experiences being teachers, uh, Teach for America alumnus now, and uh, just being in general confused millennials navigating education in America. We're all taking kind of different paths, and we should probably explain that a little bit. So we're going to start with Jenny. Hi, Jenny.
1: Hi, Jones.
0: (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to ask you a few quick questions so our listeners can get to know us better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first off, uh, you said you're from Southeast Virginia, right?
1: Uh, so, no, I'm from the Southeast in the U.S., kind of. I was a little purposefully vague because I guess my hometown is Southern Virginia, but I'm also from Florida and Peru.
0: Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Vague might work a little better there. Got The Southeast is probably the best conglomerate mm-hmm. of that. Uh, so, Jenny, can you just start us off with what, where you taught last year and what you taught? If you don't want to go into specific school, that's fine, just uh, where and what did you yeah, teach?
1: Yeah, uh, I taught 8th grade math in Eastern North Carolina last year at a you know Title I public school. It was uh, a lot of fun.
0: Uh, what is something that you used to do that is still interesting or important to you? That you still hold on to, even though you're a math teacher now.
1: I'm a hoarder, so I hold on to a lot of things. Um, I do, I have always been a super duper geek, as you know. I live, breathe, my coworkers could smell it off me from the first day I got there. So, just in general, geeking out, being an uber nerd has been the defining trait in both my persona and my teacher persona, I guess.
0: All right, are you ready for the last three questions, rapid fire?
1: Uh Baby.
0: First, are you ready? Uh, go. It's the lightning round. Excellent. What is your shoe size?
1: Uh, six?
0: If you were a Disney princess, which one would you be?
1: Uh, not a princess, but Mulan's the closest
0: okay uh finally easiest question what are you gonna do in the future
1: totally the easiest i don't know what i'm gonna be when i grow up
0: okay i think i feel like that's a good answer
1: Thank you. i try
0: all right jesse hi
2: hi
0: all right jesse same questions but i'll go over them again for you and the folks at home uh so where did you teach last year and what did you teach
2: um, I taught in a Title I school in, like, central northern North Carolina. Um, I taught sixth grade math my first year, seventh grade math my second year, and I will be teaching seventh grade science this upcoming year.
0: Woot, woot, science! Hey. Uh, I'm doing a dance from the 90s. It's
1: only... Uh,
0: what is something that you used to do that is still interesting or important to you, Jessie?
2: Um, I think what I would say is traveling. So I've always been interested in going to new places, hence why I, di- I joined um, an organization that would put me somewhere. Um, so I guess just being able to travel and live and experience a new place and culture while still being able to enjoy my like regular hobbies is something that's important to me.
0: Right on. We're going to see how that connects later <laughs> to our various <laughs> life themes that we have going on in all of our lives. Ah! Um, so, you have a bit of advantage on the lightning round. You know what questions you're going to get asked, so you're going to have to answer them a little quicker than Jenny. Are you ready?
2: Uh huh. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> Let's go. Uh, what is your shoe Seven. size? Seven. If you were a Disney princess, which one would you be? Also,
2: Mulan. Also Mulan. Hey!
0: Okay. Hey. Uh What are you gonna do in the future?
2: Uh, I intend to teach abroad, hopefully in Japan, um, and then to get my what? master's in education and continue to teach in America.
0: Da 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 America, da 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 da, da America. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, now that we've given those brief introductions, you guys, I guess I have to go for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I taught, oh God, what did I teach? I taught physics, that's one. Mm-hmm. AP Physics and AP Statistics for my two years. I taught in uh, KIP Charter School in North Carolina. Uh, there's one, so <laughs> you can probably figure it out. But yeah, that's where I used to teach. Uh, something that is important to me was that I did theater for a large part of my life, and I haven't done it in a while, and I miss it, but it's still really important to me. Uh, my shoe size is 15. Oof. <laughs> Uh, if I were a Disney princess, which one you, would you be? I don't know, and I thought of the question. <laughs>
2: Dude,
0: uh, I really should have come up with an answer for that, shouldn't I? Mean, I mean, hmm. I'm Mulan is the <clears throat> easy answer.
2: Hey, rude. Hey, rude.
0: <laughs> it's uh, uh, I like Belle. I say it tentatively. But she's cute. No, Mulan was a good movie. What was yeah. that?
1: I think Belle is kind of timid like she's a lot more because you're very bookish but you have that theater (laughs) about you so it mm. I got
0: you hmm maybe I'm gonna I might go for Moana mainly because that was the most recent one I saw and it was good it was that's a good movie
2: it's so good
0: I know Disney doesn't need the advertising (laughs) yeah they're doing
2: just fine without us (laughs)
0: Yeah, They don't need the Jenny, Jesse, and Jones Endorsement, but Maybe they wish they had it Moana, great movie, (laughs) go see it
2: Not being sponsored We're fine
0: (laughs) Disney, sponsor us Um, No, I'll probably go with Moana Thank you, by the way Thank you, Jenny, for um, making me watch that At like 7 in the morning One morning When we were hanging out (laughs) So cute adorable. Uh, yeah, those are us. Wait, you
1: forgot the last oh, question. what am I going
0: to do in the future? Ah. Yeah, I forgot What are that you one. going to uh, do in so the future? So, what am I going to d- I think I'm going to, well, I know I'm going to, uh, in approximately from recording this, let's see. Four days. One, two, three, four days? I think that's right. In four days, I'll be flying to Japan to Woo-hoo! teach English. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm very, very excited. I'm also incredibly nervous. People are, when I t- tell them about this in person, they're like, w- why are you so like muted? Why are you so like in control of your emotions? It's like, because if I think about how excited I am, that excitement is connected to how nervous I am. And I am so <laughs> underprepared. It's actually kind of insane.
2: But you packed but and But it's gonna be great. Right? You, you have all your belongings ready. You have your plane ticket. You know what airport you're going at. Like you're ready, right?
0: I know what airport I'm going to, and I have my ticket. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: I would be lying to say if I was packed right now.
2: But you have started. Do you know how many bags you think you're going to bring? I,
0: I have bags, I just don't have anything in the bags. Yet. Mm. Ah, growth mindset, power of yet. Teacher trick right there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah, so we should probably like explain with this. Um, I, I
1: think this is practicing reckless optimism, Bones.
0: Could you repeat that, Jenny? Oh, no.
2: Jenny, are
0: you there? Are you okay, Jenny? Jenny, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Jenny? You notice it's getting cut because I don't—I can't sing.
2: Are you okay? Are you? That's good. Oh, I didn't even think of Ben. Okay. Are you okay? Oh, you should—you should do like sound intermissions. Well, we don't. You, aren't you oh. supposed to put um like? commercials in between them, kind of, on podcasts, right? Like, you're supposed to promote something? I mean, something.
0: you can if you're sponsored. Well, Does it look like we're getting sponsored? You should
2: get a sponsor.
0: <laughs> that's not happening.
2: That way we can have breaks.
0: Anytime soon. Oh, I might do, I might record some parody breaks.
2: <laughs> uh, because that's good. That'll be good for that, like, if there's a clear pacing that way.
0: Oh, yeah. Or maybe just do When I said, like, When I was thinking of two, uh, two breaks, like two parts, that's what I was thinking of, was there'd be a break, and then we'd go into the more heavy part.
2: Okay, speaking of breaks, Jenny, are you there?
0: Jenny, are you okay? (laughs) I'm worried. I hear nothing. Oh, Jenny's probably trying to text me, and can't, because I turned my phone on airplane mode. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh. I didn't want anyone disturbing the recording.
2: I mean, I guess that's a good thing. But now it's not. Jenny. Hi. Oh,
1: there she is. Sorry, my internet went out. out. Oh.
0: It's okay. We're back now. Yeah, this is
1: this is a feature of being in very rural eastern southern North Carolina. Not a bug. (laughs) That's totally okay.
0: Um. Oh, yes, we were talking about uh, how we all know each other. Mm. How this all got started.
1: I mean, yeah, we're all Teach for America in the same (laughs) cohort. I mean,
0: we all. Jenny, you're selling.
1: (laughs) I mean, we were all placed, and, and Eastern North Carolina, you know, with Teach for America is one of those places that, is always in need of more teachers and if if you list it anywhere from what i understand in in your possibilities of places to be placed it it will generally be the one you're placed into
0: see that's why i find interesting because i think i'm in the minority in this case i actually picked eastern north carolina so for those who don't know in tfa when you get in first of all you get into the program and then they're like We haven't placed you yet. And you're like, what does that mean? And they say, well, here are the list of all the places you could go. First off, cross off all the ones you want to go to. (laughs) Uh, And then make a list of the other ones. And rank them from 1 to 10. And then we'll see where your best fit is. And they have these, like, really exotic
2: Uh, locations. Like, they'll have Hawaii all the way to, like urban DC, but then they'll have like Mississippi Delta all the way to urban New York City. Like it's all over the place and your preferences don't matter.
0: So here's <laughs> why I'm gonna fight on that, because I picked Eastern North Carolina as my number one. I might be the only yeah, one who did I'm, that.
1: You're you're in a in a pretty minor part of our cohort, I think. Um, and that might be part oh. of what You know, because our region has a lot of attrition for Teach for America members and for people that were placed here who, you know, put it as geographically somewhere they thought they could go and ultimately was not a place they decided they could stay.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Well, because for reference, since all of us are Teach for America, Eastern North Carolina, hereby referred to as TFA ENC, because that is way too much to say every time. (laughs) Uh, the thing is, is that we don't fully have any of our connection to any of the other regions, mm-hmm. really. In fact, because uh, there's this little training program that Teach for America does before you, they put their teachers in schools. Everyone, basically everywhere else, does this thing called Institute, where a bunch of different regions come together and learn together and then split apart. Teach for America, Eastern North Carolina... Does this thing called residency, which we all teach in North Carolina and don't interact with any of the other regions? So I have no idea. And if you guys do, please enlighten me. I have no idea if our region has an unusually high or unusually low attrition rate. I know there's attrition, but I don't know how it we, stacks we up. Have-
1: one of the higher attrition rates in all of the TFA um, cohorts. We're one of the oldest TFA cohorts in all of Teach for America. Yes. But we also have one of the highest attrition rates, in part because our area is so widespread and rural. Um, But I think part of it might be that lack of communication because we do have other TFA um, regions in North Carolina. There just isn't a whole lot of crosstalk between
2: them. Well, the, also, the, a different thing about Eastern North Carolina is Eastern North Carolina is a region in comparison to if you taught in D.C. or um, what are the, other ones? Uh, the Bay Area, Boston. Boston. These areas are more central, and your the core members are more centrally placed at that point, whereas mm-hmm. we are literally located three to four hours away from each other in worst-case scenarios, which creates a disconnect and an isolated feeling. For these core members, which makes them not want to stay. They don't feel supported, and eventually, if no, there no one comes to help them, then we don't see them again the following year.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, to put this in perspective, like how big a region this is. Uh, the three of us who knew each other from residency, we were friends during residency. Uh, we're placed, a pro- I guess, two hours away from each of each yeah, other. Yeah, kind of. Like we're in this giant triangle where I'm at the north uh jesse's more at the west and jenny's in the mm-hmm. south it's like this awkward two-hour each-way triangle which can be a lot like living in a rural area And oh what we should describe just how different <laughs> our living situations were yeah because it's insane so for reference i was very fortunate I lived with some great people, uh, and I lived in a great uh, great lake house, and my rent was dirt cheap. This is me bragging. It'll be over soon. I do it a lot in person. Mm -hmm. I lived in a lake house that was like 20 minutes from food and everything else. But it was a lake house. I had a room in a lake house. So that kind of balances off. I was near like a large town. Though I was technically in a small town of 653 people. Now 652. Hey! Because I moved. (laughs) Uh, So I had like, what I'd say is a small medium place to live. Uh, Jenny, from my understanding, you did not have that.
1: No, I um, live in a town separate than I work. So my commute to work is about 35 minutes, depending on traffic. And by traffic, I mean farm tractor trailers, being in the road, going 20 under the speed limit sometimes. Um, the town I live in is, has less people than my school, in theory, in population. Um, everything around is corn and fields and hogs and it's it's very agricultural here everything is about the connections and everyone knows each other or is related to each other in some form or fashion or married into the area um but it's uh the closest i guess medium sized area is about half an hour from me in the op- opposite direction of school and um my living situation i actually live in a mother-in-law suite of a very sweet and amazing family who it, who have taken me in as one of their own kids, so in that in that sense I've been super fort- fortunate.
0: And then, <laughs> so we have small, medium, and very small. Jesse, why don't you tell us about where you live?
2: Um. Well, I was extremely fortunate to be placed in a place where I could live in Durham. Um, my commute is not amazing, but I have every and any amenity that was available to me while I was in New York. So, I lived in the heart of Durham. I was I had access to Chapel Hill, Raleigh, um, so many targets and uh, when there were Kroger's, <laughs> Kroger's and Harris I like there was no shortage of food, which was my priority, and no shortage of things to do. So, and I actually even was placed with a few friends that were close by, so at least I also had support there and we had you no know, but it was it was a it was an ideal situation <laughs> in the region that we had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that food. So for reference, uh, for our listeners, for both Jones and myself, the drive to the delicious food Jesse is describing is a good, what, hour and a half, two hours away?
0: Yeah, if we it wanted to drive close-ish. to like a city with good food, like mm-hmm. Durham or Raleigh, Raleigh's closer I think mm-hmm. for both of us, it'd be about an hour and a yeah. half from our house. Yeah.
1: So good though
0: uh, that was the nearest city, r- realistically, that like, closest, like, in terms city. of city, and what even you th- then,
1: I've had friends come down from other cities and be like, this is not a city, so it's no, like, mega metropolis either.
0: Yeah, because I think Charlotte's the biggest city in North Carolina, yes. which I actually haven't, I've never been to really?
2: Charlotte. We would have had a very different experience if we were placed in Charlotte, just oh, yeah. because of how different it is compared to eastern north carolina and the research triangle
0: too mm-hmm. yeah i could have put charlotte and for some reason i didn't and i don't remember you why you wouldn't have gotten in i anyway. think i wanted to be more <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks jesse <laughs> thanks for that boost of confidence i appreciate you're welcome.
2: it just because enc was a higher need area mm-hmm. not because you're not wanted there
0: no nah, yeah yeah no it's wild okay so quick story time uh, I wanted to be a physics teacher. I knew that in my senior year of college. I, when I interviewed for TFA, I interviewed, I did a physics lesson, I said I was good at physics. Let's do this. Uh, here's the thing about North Carolina, for those who aren't aware, is North Carolina is one of those states where there is no distinction between the science teachers. So what I mean by that is, is that if you teach secondary science, high school science you don't you're not listed as a biology teacher you're not listed as a chemistry teacher you're not listed as a physics teacher in the eyes of the state of North Carolina you are a high school science teacher which means that you might not know a thing about rocks but you're going to teach about rocks
2: earth science Earth
0: science. (laughs) earth science So much so, I had to take a praxis, uh, a teacher test, basically, on every scientific thing. Most of which, I had no idea what was going on. They asked me about clouds, I was so unprepared.
1: Yeah, that was fun. I, well, because for all of us entering as well, we had to take the praxis for both math and science. Um, I'm not sure if that's, in general, true of all TFA sites, or just North Carolina ones.
2: It's probably just for North Carolina. But yeah, being, um, we kind of were like the STEM side versus like the ELA and social studies were dual Mm -hmm. certified, so the math and science became the dual certified. Um, But same with the math department is that you were counted as a secondary math teacher, secondary science teacher. You could teach anything from 6th grade math or 5th grade math all the way until 12th grade math, which are Mm. completely different. And the way that um, North Carolina education works has planned math out is it's not in high school you do one type of math each year. It's actually grouped math. So instead of doing algebra, geometry, trig, and whatever, calculus, instead it's math one, math two, math three, where they're actually all grouped together. So yeah, it's very similar to science. It's not that you're you're a trig teacher, you're a calc teacher. You're a secondary math teacher.
0: And here's the underlying problem with that, is that... (laughs) Like, with science, it's usually pretty okay, because schools can figure out what you can and can't teach. Like, if I interviewed at a school and they're like, teach biology, if I was a responsible person, I would say, no, (laughs) I can't do that. That's not accusing people in North Carolina of being responsible. Please don't ever think I'm accusing North Carolina of being responsible. But for math, it's really bad, because... In the rest of the country, in most states, like, you specialize in a math. Like, yeah, there's some wiggle room, but, like, listen, just because you can teach algebra does not mean you can teach geometry. So when you put, when you combine all the subjects to make math one, math two, math three, you have essentially made it so that most teachers know most, but not all of the material. At least that's my understanding. Mm. You can fight back on me because I, I only taught AP stats, so I don't really know. <laughs> I
1: feel a little devil's advocate because I did almost apply to a math education PhD program where they do specialize in, like, secondary versus primary math education. And um, the only the only issue I find with the lack of specializ- specialization is that you often get teachers who don't, at the core, understand the base... Sometimes, not always, because you do have a lot of, you know, different varieties of people in any job or profession. But you have a a good bunch of people who, you know, got through the praxis but didn't necessarily go through the upper levels of math. So you can't level the mathematics as necessary in case our students do go off to college or careers that require a very deep understanding of their math if that makes sense.
0: That's super fair.
1: Cuz if you understand it at a high but level, you I would teach also it. Sa- kind of.
0: That's true. I I think one of the issues is when especially when upper level math teachers come in and they don't and they didn't specialize in math.
1: Oh that's true. Like it's you g- like you can get up to like
0: I feel like Yeah, cuz in middle school like you can get away with that. Yeah, you can. I say that because I know I'm talking to <laughs> I know I'm talking to Jesse, who did not specialize in math. Yeah,
2: um, my major Jessie, was psychology. why well, don't you tell us? I took one statistics course, which qualified me to teach math. Which I'm not saying I'm underqualified, but I am underqualified. <laughs>
1: oh, I didn't realize you were a psych major. Yeah, oh. you didn't get that from me? Yeah. I mean, you probably mentioned it at some point. <laughs> oh yeah
0: oh my gosh jesse you were actually the issue with my model (laughs) oh no 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 you and there are these two other teachers who taught at my school shout out to Torrance and edwards who were also psych majors and taught math one and math two basically go for them um and i feel like math two is the line
2: okay can't cross over into math three is what you're saying
0: yeah, it's like once you get to Math 3, which for rough like, level equivalents for everyone else, that's like Algebra 2, basically. Uh, once you get into that, if you didn't like study a lot of math or do a decent amount of math... Like, I, I was a physics major. I did math. I can do math. I'm not great at it, but I can do it. I feel like once you get into that range, like it starts getting a little iffy. Mainly because, like, in Math 1 and Math 2, you can just learn Math 1, Math 2, Algebra 1, Geometry. But when you get to Math 3 and above, you need to understand your course and all the other courses that came before it Mm. to teach it properly. So, eh, (laughs) thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hmm. I'm still trying to understand how you came to create how did you find that distinction between math two and math three bones because you know i think every math teacher has this experience of like well these kids you know at this point should be at a certain level should understand a lot a lot or all of the fundamentals that came before the grade level at which we get them but then you're drawing another distinction at math two and I don't I don't know the curriculum as well so is there a particular like place that you see this kind of schism happening?
0: Well the reason I put it at Math 2 is because I have two really solid data points of the only two math teachers that I knew from my school do it well and they're good teachers. Otherwise, I might have put it at Math 1. Okay. But I feel like once you get into Math 3 is when you really need to start explaining the higher level applications. Instead of explaining that, hey, you can use this thing we learned in Math 1, Math 2 in this real world example in math 3 and pre is when you need to start thinking like oh and this will connect to these future ideas that are like actually really complicated because math 3 lit was like the basis of trig like setting everything up for calculus like it's the pre-pre-calculus and that's when you really start to deal with Mm -hmm. stuff like that I don't know if I have any other <laughs> distinction other than that. Just observation. I could draw the line at pre-calc. Yeah,
1: because so- we sometimes I- in the middle school setting we'll draw a line between... Um, and I don't know if it's just because of the way things are tested in our state, but between 7th and 8th grade we sometimes draw a distinction um, because the, the types of questions uh, I agree with are kind of... They jump... In, in the wording or the understanding for some reason. While 6th and 7th grade quick testing question, are, are... are a lot more similar.
0: So wait, quick question about this. Is like 7th seven, grade math and 8th grade math, are those like levels of math? Uh,
2: in North Carolina, it just like... kind of-ish. I have to say 6th okay. grade and 7th grade math are almost completely identical, mm-hmm. just because I literally taught them back to back. Um, I mean, there is some, mm-hmm. like, we went from one-step equations in sixth grade to two-step equations in seventh grade. But the thing about those two years is I, like, I being uh, the sixth grade and seventh grade math teacher, I was very e- it was very easy for me to teach those two years because they were so similar. But if I went to eighth grade, they actually have to have those foundations pre-packaged in their brains before they can move on because then they have to actually start graphing those line graphs. They have to start, there's, like, mm-hmm. a little bit more in eighth grade, which is why they don't necessarily... Um, why there is that line between 7th grade and 8th grade at least yeah.
1: in my experience. Yeah, 8th grade we jump from <laughs> rehashing two-step equations to multi-step and however number of steps and that just and and being able to decipher that from different contextual situations and it it blows minds of teenagers everywhere apparently. So it's it's very weird.
0: So, as you guys are middle school math teachers, I have to ask, like, because I don't really think I have a good understanding of this, when you get your students, would you say that they are adequately prepared for the math that you are teaching them? Are they coming in on level, or are you having to bring them up to level?
2: Well, for Mar-K, uh for seventh grade, I taught them the year before, so I already knew what setbacks or um, strengths these students had, um, but from in my first year of teaching and being able to reflect on it now, I think my students were um, greatly deprived in their elementary education because they didn't know the, the simple foundations of math, like the multiplication tables, which it was just so ingrained into. Um, the adults that at, that were at my school, they were like, "I don't understand why our kids don't know um, their multiplication tables." We had to stand in a line and say them in front of a cl- <laughs> in front of the class when we were their age, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know where the disconnect went or or why it is." So I do think that they were underserved, and um, we had to fill in those gaps. But filling in those gaps, then something else is um is left out. So
1: yeah, I I I I would agree that i mm. i i wonder though if some of that i don't know if you've ever seen some of the elementary math questions before um jesse but they are they warp how you have to think about the math sometimes it's it's like you almost have to create mental mazes without being able to build that rote foundation which is very weird. I'm. I wish I could pull one up right now to like read out loud, because I saw one during one of my PDs once, and it just blew all our minds that elementary school babies had to try and figure out these complex, kind of complex word problems. And you know, no wonder they didn't have a foundation by the time they they reached us.
2: Well, I think the, North Carolina has recently, very recently, changed their math curriculum because we were, well, North Carolina was once one of the worst um, education uh, states in the United States. But now that they've created more rigorous curriculum, I think they're trying to catch up. Like mm-hmm. just this year, they changed the way um, state testing uh, for math uh, worked. So we don't even get their scores back until early September or something like that when they took yeah. their test in late May early June Mm -hmm. so I think they are trying to correct what has been so flawed in the past but the kids and the teachers are not um, are not (laughs) as involved with these decisions because Mm -hmm. if at all all, exactly (laughs) so that that's probably where all this disconnect is coming from
0: alright you brought up such an important point And this is really important for people that don't know about North Carolina. North Carolina, in terms of colleges, is one of the best states in the country. I can only think of maybe three or four states that would place above it in the college level. The secondary and elementary level, especially in public education. And this is not a value judgment. This is just an experience that I found... An experience I think has been seen generally by others is garbage like it's bad it is like there's a reason TFA has three different regions in North Carolina they and need it. I know people are working very hard to fix this like the teachers work hard. Like, I, I haven't met too many teachers that don't work really hard to try to improve and help their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I s- can see the kids working, especially the kids I taught, because those were the kids I mainly saw. And it's not meant to be a value judgment, but just, like, something went wrong.
1: Yeah, I... What What do you guys think went wrong because i've heard a lot of opinions from a lot of teachers both new and seasoned tfa and not charter not private public what have you and everyone's got a few different points but i'm curious on what both of you think because we all teach different grade levels and have different experiences here
0: Well, I think I just said my... Pe- oh, so, for ref- I, for reference, Kip is a public charter. So, for those of you that don't know what a public charter is, it basically means uh, if you sign up, you can go to the school unless we don't have enough seats and then people are put into a lottery to get in. So, it's still public. Anyone can go. And it pulls people from all around the region. But it's separate. It's kind of like a magnet school except it's open to everyone and it's not... It doesn't select based on scale. It's just like, did you sign up? Uh, That said, we had longer school days, and we worked really, really hard to get 100% college acceptance. Our graduating seniors always had that. We're going to get into that (laughs) later. Maybe not this week. Maybe not today, because that's a lot. But what I would say is like, I see a lot of really hard work to overcome a lack of knowledge, education, skill set, what have you, early on. Because all the students I taught never, like, never went to KIPP until fifth grade. So for me, I, like, something in my mind is happening K through four. Oh, middle school in North Carolina is five, six, seven, eight. just for reference. K through four, something's been happening that's been like, setting our kids back? That's what I've noticed. Jesse, what have you noticed?
2: Cool. Um, I think it's a cultural uh, thing rather than, um, I don't know what, what other people might say, but I see it more as a culture of what the community is and has and expects. the school district as well as from their children so like i totally understand the differences between a charter and a public if they have different goals for those children so like if you have a demographic that would heavily benefit from structure and um consistency then maybe a year-round school is a great alternative a great option a lot of um charter schools have a college prep um mentality mindset that um parents who Wish that for their children will urge them to go into those schools. So I, I feel like the challenge is where students and parents have to engage in their own academic career in order to pursue what's best for themselves rather than just mosey on along through whatever North Carolina provides for them. If that makes sense.
0: That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. And it's a great little segue, super small tangent, I apologize. <laughs> But I always have to bring this up whenever I hear this. So there was, I, I read this in a book. Um, there was a Illinois governor named Rob Blagojevich, which I promise is his actual name. And he did a study, or he looked at a study that said children with more books in homes, in their homes did better in academics and on standardized tests, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, more likely to go to college. And so his thought was, well, we're gonna make a program that puts a book in a child's home every month for every year, from the day they're born till the day they graduate high school or something like that. Just give it's basically a giant book drive for the entire state of Illinois. But then when they re-looked into the study, what they found is that it wasn't the fact that there were books in the house that were what was like causing these students to do better. It's the idea that the families and the parents and the households that already had books valued education and therefore were more likely to encourage their students and the, or like their kids and everyone to value education more and this is not saying like north carolina doesn't value education that this is that is not the blanket statement we're saying or i'm saying but i think that like kind of speaks to the culture is like it, sometimes it's very hard to show the effects of education and I know my charter, public charter is a college prep school, and they focus a lot on reaching out to families and like highlighting the benefits of a college degree, et cetera, et cetera, to highlight the benefits, I know I said that twice, of going to college and of education. So I think that's kind of aligned with what you're going with.
2: Yeah, well, I've heard right. from um, some of my colleagues that what happens in our public schools and why students act the way they act, and this is a huge generalization, but just within my school, so just in this one um, population, uh, they said that a generation back, the school system had failed those students, which are now the parents of our current students, mm-hmm. so these parents had instilled this negativity toward our school and our public edu- education system, and that's being produced and reflected in what the students um, say and act in schools. Um, whereas, what was it? if you, just as KIPP does or any other um, maybe out, community outreach program within a school does, is that they want to try and change that mentality. You, you can't change a mentality just by saying, hey, we're going to offer the, uh, a, a, a book service during the summer where you can just come pick up books at the school for your kids. That's not going to change your mentality. you actually have to talk to parents, talk to students and engage with the compu- community as well as make the community engage with you. And that's where the disconnect is because we're not we're, we're taking a lazy way out most of the time. We're just saying, oh let's just check off this box and offer this in our school and that's what we'll, uh, that, that's what will appeal to our superintendent and maybe the parents but they don't actually it's not actually beneficial to the students. no one shows up or something like that. So it's this change of mindset and the change in culture that needs to happen in order for our students to really benefit. And that's really what TFA wants, is a change in mindset and to change um, how people think, not actually what um, what is happening now.
1: Right, but I think we end up with this, this schism of, like, um, t- show and don't tell, because we could tell our kids all day long. I know in my district we have a, you know, a high poverty rate, and our kids they know the importance of, of education, they know it's out there, but they don't believe that it is attainable for them. We have um, a lot of DACA children, we have a lot of scared immigrant parents, we have a lot of parents who were who are failed and whose parents were failed by systems who mistrust um, our educational system and they, they fear engaging with it, quite frankly. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that we as, te- like we as teachers can definitely influence that, but I'm I wonder how much of an impact, um, and I'm not saying any of this to like dissuade the mission that we've all I guess sort of put upon ourselves as TFA alumna, alumnus alumni, but how much of it is actually feasible? Because it almost feels like we're doing this tell, but don't show, with our students.
0: I agree, and I think it connects really easily to what Jesse said about just like laziness. It's like it's not it's not that people are lazy. I think it's just that it's hard. Uh, and of course, that mission you're referring to, Jenny. I'm going to say <laughs> it because TFA will love that I said it. I think they will shower us with a sponsorship, hmm. definitely if we say it. One day. <laughs> All children in our nation will have the opportunity to attain an excellent education. You have no idea how many times you're going to hear that if you join TFA. Ooh, ooh, big question. Big question. Would you recommend TFA to anyone?
2: I would not recommend it Uh, just to anyone, but I would recommend it.
0: I think that's my answer is that it, I would never give a blanket recommendation to everyone. But if I knew the person, and I knew they'd be a good fit, I'd recommend mm-hmm. it to them.
1: I think if it fit in with their goals, like if they were, if they had some idea of going into teaching anyway, and potentially making a career however long out of it, and being
2: well, that's welcome to they engulf say, themselves like yeah, there's a stigma yeah. against TFA. Because of that, um, they, they gather uh, young adults who not necessarily will want to continue in the education field post two years. So I, I, I think Jenny's right. If, we, if TFA actually sought well, – I don't know how they could do it. But if they were able to seek out more specifically a population that would like to continue pursuing education post TFA, then we would have a very different um, idea of what TFA can do.
0: Yeah, the thing that TFA always says is that we're a that we train leaders. TFA trains leaders. Yeah, it's not, tr- not exactly. Teachers.
1: It's to build that I guess the networking, the web of TFA alumni who can support each other in making bigger policy changes. I believe is was the original oh, goal rather than having, you know, very experienced uh, qualified teachers, qualified which, teachers. you know, mixed feelings about because I think we all came in a little bit um, underqualified, should I say? Um,
0: um, I'm going to both agree and disagree. Yeah, with that. I
1: I don't know uh, if that's a word. I,
0: th- I think we we were underprepared. Uh, but. I would hesitate to say. I mean, unqualified by like what I would want
1: preparation, a TFA person I to be. But so yeah. are education majors. Well, here's the
0: thing. Okay, so
1: because they focus on pedagogy. And it's one of these
0: practice. two numbers. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Um, one of the two numbers. So, like for people that applied our courier, we're courier 2017. Uh, I believe it's either. 14 or 11 percent of people who applied got into tfa Mm
1: i think that's generally their
0: numbers i i I can't remember which one it was but yeah i think that's generally what they find which always flabbergasts (laughs) me because i felt so unprepared going Mm -hmm. in
2: makes you wonder who they said no to (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's what boggles me. So, here's the thing. Okay. Love TFA ENC. Love the people that... Uh, we were all in secondary education. They're all amazing people. And for the ones that stayed, they became incredible, incredible teachers. Very proud of them. Some of them, who I we only had very brief interactions with, I just wonder, and especially if you include 2018, not to put core year 2018 on blast but i've met some people and just been like you were let in you don't know math
1: (laughs) oh
0: my goodness i i'm not gonna put anyone on blast but there was a math teacher who failed the math practice three times
2: yeah i think also there should be a point of self-awareness about whether or not you are qualified or could be qualified for this position like you can't go in there thinking oh I took I took a course of French in high school like I could totally teach French at a public school level like no like you need to know something about yourself to be like I can't do TFA so maybe there was just um, I don't know how marketing maybe TFA's marketing team is not doing so hot they're just saying anybody and everybody can join TFA but the, the, yeah, the, the new core Group, uh, group was not ideal for. Um, I mean, the majority of them in my cohort left. I think I had um, 11 leave by winter break, wow. and my cohort was like maybe even like 20 people tops. So that's just, that's that's poor. That's, that's poorly done.
0: I don't know if it's necessarily marketing so much as I think marketing is a small part of it, but I think it's uh, oh, when recruiters. they decide who gets in. I don't know,
2: it might be recruiters, too, because that's the population sample that TFA has to choose from. So let's say, what if that was the top of the barrel? What if that was the, the, the pick of the litter? And just everyone else was, ugh. So
0: I, I don't... <laughs> if there's...
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's hilarious and terrifying at the same time, Jesse. <laughs> it makes you wonder. Yeah.
0: I personally am terrified of any barrel <laughs> that somehow I got to be a part of the top of. Cuz that like no. that's Wait, a, low but no, I am no. a low bar. I'm a low bar.
1: This is to be I mean, you have to remember that you talk yourself down a whole lot. Oh, Mr. you know, I got high scores but they're not high enough. Like you you hold yourself to Shh. exceptionally high standards, I think and T- to make that the general is not, I think, proper either. Because you are your smarty pants. Regardless. Just making
0: regardless. it... Regardless. <laughs> regardless. Uh, regardless, <laughs> TFA has a good heart and its mission is just. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just needs to... F- do better? As with all things that in education. So rude.
1: The heart is there, but the. Needs a little yeah. more. Mm.
2: Well, the thing is, they they send out all these surveys and they want to know how they can do better. Like, I very think bad TFA bad. is very aware that they are not oh. <laughs> at their maximum um, ability. Like, they know they need to change some things in order for it to be.
0: They are not ignorant. Yeah,
2: it, it, I, I just think they don't know the answer and neither do we.
0: I don't think. I... You know what? I don't think anyone knows the answer.
2: But I also I wonder if, if the
1: answer did, it would have happened already. I wonder if the answer lies in education though. In in like turning it from the inside because we've seen a lot of these and I hate to pull like a freakonomics like maybe this bizarre thing on the outside is working on this thing on the inside, but you know, North Carolina has had its up and downs. It it's always chasing a changing goal I think with education and the different grade levels, which might be part of the disconnect we see as well but we also have a huge amount of wealth inequality there's very apparent at least in my area old money versus no money i suppose and i i just so much of what i see almost feels like learned helplessness and I'm not sure that that's something that Ooh. within our schools, we have the power to actually, like, that is a huge, it, that has a lot of inertia. And we're just little toothpicks picking at this giant bowling ball and, you know, not really moving it all that much.
0: Uh, Jenny, thank you. Because <laughs> to keep your knees beaming Because you said the word inertia. <laughs> in an actual sentence. <laughs> so, first of all, thank you. You have warmed my heart tonight. Uh, I couldn't agree more. It, I'm going to Japan. So, one of the reasons I'm going to Japan is because I want to see the Japanese education system.
2: Yes!
0: Because uh, it's better than the American it's education significantly
1: system. different. Is in out of this world compared to ours. Is it not?
0: Yeah, I think Japan is... Like, they is, have a very intense. I don't know program. what they're... And they, do. and they also have I a cultural rank-
2: different understanding of what teachers are and do, and oh, like yeah. there's a different set, sense of value in that. And America just isn't there. Yeah, we're not babysitters. Yeah. Well, that's they? what I
0: kind of want to explore is, because Japan's top 10 easily, mm-hmm. and I want to see if it's like something we're doing in our school.
2: Or as a nation. That
0: needs to change. <laughs> or the nation oh man and that's like oh, the man. greatest fear
2: is it's a national problem which it for sure is let's yeah, let us not say like is no. it like if like no it is a national yes. crisis um but yeah the, yes. no one's doing anything about it, no anything about it. Yeah. or at least no one with power is
1: mm-hmm.
0: <sighs>
2: to have power
0: don't forget this coming november please vote
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't forget to vote Put it on your calendar. Don't forget to vote. It's not a. People are like, it's not an election year. year. And I want you to know that I did air quotes around that sentence. Because it is an election year. Every year is an election year. So go vote. (laughs) I have an excuse for doing an absentee. I'm not in the country, but I'm still doing my absentee. You guys have no excuse. Go vote.
2: Well, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Of course.
0: Yeah, I, I think all young people vote now. Is that true? No. That's not actually true.
1: No, not, not all young people.
0: More young people more vote. More young that people than
1: before. But I think you're also... You're seeing a lot of disheartened millennials, I think. A lot of people are definitely revved up, but I do see a lot more people like... You know? Worried about the future. And... and you know, we all struggle with making things work with schedules, and it's, it's not a holiday here. It becomes quite difficult.
0: In this vein, uh, <laughs> www.actblue.org will gladly take your donations. You can follow them to whichever uh, politician you want, uh, both for presidential race, Senate race, congressional race, state race. Uh, I don't know how this turned into an actblue.org plug or a political Mm -hmm. podcast, but listen, when you're talking about education, it's political now. Do you just have these memory memory Actblue.org? No, it's because I get a lot of emails from them Um. (laughs) that I forget to read. That's how I remember (laughs) actblue.org. I donate on... I have a recurring monthly donation for actblue.org Aww. for a specific politician I'll leave it up to your imagination who that is dun,
1: dun, dun. Dun, dun.
0: and I think that is that a cliffhanger is that <laughs> our cliffhanger to end this <laughs> podcast
1: the
2: educational turn political uh, podcast
0: <laughs> the education turned political podcast
2: hey people want to listen so, to heated discussions <laughs>
0: Yes! Oh, man. Oh, my collar's hot. It was so heated. (laughs) (sighs) I need some lemonade now. Mm. Uh, For those still with us, first of all, thank you for listening to our first show. Uh, Your stamina is far greater than I anticipated if you made it this far. Yeah. And we appreciate it uh, more than (laughs) you actually can understand. In that vein... Which I guess is my catchphrase this week. Uh, In our next upcoming episode, I will be in Japan. And I think we're going to talk a lot about Japan versus America. Watch us turn into like a travel
2: blog instead. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, I I hate to tell you this, but do you know where I'm posting the link for this?
1: Where? It's on my travel blog. (laughs) Wait, you have one?
0: I haven't made a public yet. okay wait real quick real quick on ideas so I currently made one and its name is Oh no Sean didn't because oh I'm gosh. going to Ono oh Japan
2: um. um
0: I'm think <laughs> I'm thinking about changing it to Jones in Japan mm. Thoughts What
2: about Ono Jones? Oh no Jones You got to
1: keep it short dude Yeah it like the first one is definitely I I prefer the first to the second but it's also very long
0: is oh no Sean didn't too long you can say yes
1: for my goldfish memory yes yes.
0: is Jones in Japan at least short enough
1: it's definitely short enough but it doesn't give that like ooh la la element (laughs) so
2: combine them
0: (laughs) Ono oh, Jones, you want Ono oh, Jones? I like it.
2: It's got a good <laughs> ring. Like three syllables.
0: You know I have to rewrite this entire website now. Do it. You got time? Because that's how Wix yeah, works.
1: you've you've got four days to do that in the middle of packing, and it, it'll be good. It's catchy.
0: It's about to be three days.
1: Three days. Uh, yeah. Three and eleven. 12th. Yeah, this well. No, yeah. three and one twelfth days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I already have a post on it. It's about my new inspired desire to, and capacity to work out. I'm actually going to the gym after this, after we're done recording. Wait, right now? Yes, it's a 24-hour gym.
2: Isn't, oh are you tired? God. Are you supposed to do this to your body this late at night? No. I feel like optimal workout time is late afternoon. It is three to four hours before bedtime. Yeah.
1: Is
0: that yes. really what it is? Then I just won't go to bed at oh three or four. God. Problem solved.
2: Wow, that's not what she meant. At gotcha. All.
0: Okay, can I can I wake up early and go? Can I do a morning yes. gym? Are
2: you gonna go to bed afterwards?
0: After doing the morning <laughs> gym, no.
2: Well, there you go.
0: Okay, I guess that makes sense. Fine. <laughs> uh but yeah i already have a post on it called weekly work oh what's the full name it has a catchy name and by catchy i mean overly long because that's how my names are where is it where is it
1: uh wix oh it's a wix site it's a wix Wix
0: site um wix site login please oh we should probably stop recording
2: are you sure did you end it did you, did you say your final piece
0: oh well i mean i can add a final piece i guess we should all say a final piece together oh,
2: i would be fine if you
1: just cut it out oh we should end it <laughs> boop oh, we <laughs>